Our reading this morning is from Mark, chapter 4, verse, starting at verse 21, and that's on page 1006, the Church Bibles. So Mark chapter 4, starting at verse 21. He said to them, Do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on its stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let them hear. Consider carefully what you hear, he continued. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and even more. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. He also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, The seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself the soil produces corn, first the stalk, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. As soon as the corn is ripe, he he puts the sickle to it, because the harvest has come. Again he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like, or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed which is the smallest of all seeds on the earth. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants, with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. With many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them, as much as they could understand. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. But when he was alone with his own disciples, he explained everything. This is God's word. Millie, thank you. Uh, Morning, everyone. Uh, My name is Matt Fuller, if we've not met. And uh, after the service, the first thing I'll be doing, like one or two others, is uh, looking up the safeguarding hymn and why it's so bad. And um, isn't that intriguing? No, hold on, hold on. Don't don't do it now. But um, as soon as someone says that, it's like, ooh. Um, Yeah, you're as bad as me. I I think that's right. But uh, if you're joining us this morning, uh, we're in uh, the early chapters of Mark's Gospel. I have been for this term just for, uh, uh, I think, another one more week or so, and then uh, into, into Christmassy things we go. But let me pray as we look at this together. A great God and Father, again, here is a, a passage, a set of little parables and stories that Jesus tells, and really, they're not super hard to understand, Not mentally, but Father, the call to us this morning is to listen, to be diligent as we listen, not just so that we cognitively understand, but so that we're changed. Father, that's our prayer. Change us this morning, we pray, so we're more like you created us to be. We're more like the image of the Lord Jesus. We pray it in his name. Amen. Well, yes, look, it's quite straightforward. When the word of God is sown, the kingdom of Jesus grows. That's it this morning, right? 
When the word, is, the word of God is sown, the kingdom grows. That's it. Now, uh, empirically, that's true, and obvious influence in history. Uh, did you know, in 1910, there were about 600 million Christians in the world. A century later, in 2010, about 2.2 billion. By 2050, there should be about 3.3 billion Christians in the world. Because when the word of God is sown, the kingdom grows. That's what happens. I spent uh, with Kerry the last 48 hours in uh, Edinburgh uh, seeing some friends, um, which uh, was lovely. Um, but um, uh, the Church of Scotland there, it's, it's the, um, chatting to people, it's, they're so bruised. If you don't know, a few years ago, the Church of Scotland really completely gave up on, on the Scriptures. Uh, and since then, they've been collapsing, collapsing, collapsing numerically. And by 2050, uh, there will be no one left, not a single, I was about to say sausage, but that, you know, p- um, a person left in, um, sorry, uh, in the church at all because they've given up on the word of God and it's collapsed. When they gave up, they kicked out Bible-believing churches. So ministers kicked out of their houses, congregations kicked out of their churches, you know, millions and millions and millions of pounds of property just gone. And uh, they've had to start all over again. And those churches are growing. And there are children in them. And people becoming Christians in them and people maturing in them. Because when the word of God is sown, the kingdom grows. And if it isn't, you are nothing. And it's true in a personal sense. I had uh, a nice note from uh, one lad recently who recently moved to serve elsewhere. Uh, Let me just read you a little bit of it. Um, He sent... He wrote, I wanted to share how I feel I've changed since I first walked into CCM as a 25-year-old. If I'm honest, when I first arrived, top of my agenda when joining a church was, how much wife material is there here? (laughs) And alongside that, are there plenty of people like me? Six years ago, I completely wrote off plenty of people in the church. They were just too weird. Six years later, and I suppose about 300 or so sermons, I've grown to have a huge appreciation, love, and admiration for the people that I initially wrote off. I now love those who give up so much time to serve the Lord in unseen ways, and yet never shout about it. I've made so many friends that I couldn't have done age 25, because I've matured, and those friendships come naturally because I've served alongside people. So thank you. I think the faithful preaching of the word 300 or so, or so times has completely changed me. And you think, well, yes. Because when the word of God is sown, the kingdom will grow. That's what Jesus is saying. And so let's not be surprised. And if the word of God is abandoned, the church will collapse. It's really quite straightforward, he says. Now, we'll work our way, as I say, through uh, these early chapters of Mark's gospel. Uh, Jesus, uh, in chapter 1, he's declared uh, the kingdom of God is hand. Repent and believe the gospel, the good news. That is, I am God's promised king, and I will pay for all your sin, and I will rise again so you can have new life, and I will return to judge. You just trust me. Believe in this message. Uh, And chapter 4 is a long section of teaching explaining that the key way that his kingdom grows is when people listen to his word. Now, the whole chapter is in parables. And uh, if you were here last time, we were looking at this. Uh, Parables, they have a role in dividing people because it struck me they're a little bit like political cartoons. So, Jason, I don't know if you've got it. This was my favorite cartoon of the week. Um, Now, 
parable is a bit like a cartoon in that, um, how much do you know? And if you asked, I don't know, a, a four-year-old, what's this? I don't know, there's a, there's a bloke on a throne trying to hold back water. That's a silly thing. Well, yeah, if someone knows a bit more, well, it's the prime minister and his new home secretary and new uh, foreign secretary. Yeah, and what else is going on? Dunno. Um, well, you know a little bit of history, particularly if you're English. Here's a reference to the medieval King Canute, uh, who uh, was receiving so much flattery from all his um, knights, who just put a chair down on the sand and said, right, do you think I can hold back the sea? And just as the sea came in, no, because I am limited. I'm only a king. I'm not God. So clearly it's a reference to Canute. Can you hold back the sea? Can Rishi hold back the sea? Oh, no. And if you see on the right-hand side, there are boats. Can Rishi hold back the boats? Well, there's the political football of the day. And, um, and so the more you know, the more you get from the cartoon. And the genius that is uh, Peter Brooks um, draws these things very, very well. The more you know, the more you understand. There's something like that in the parables. If you don't know anything, you're like, huh? A farmer and what? And a bloke and, and what? And seed? And hey, I'm from London, mate. Um, seeds? Oh, yeah, on, on my bread. Um, but, um, but you know a little bit, you get a bit more. And the parables will always divide somewhat. But what becomes obvious in these parables is, uh, if we saw it last time, the seed that is sown, chapter 4, verse 14, is the word of God. Chapter 4, verse 14, the farmer sows the word, this message that Jesus has been proclaiming. And our response, what Jesus wants of us, is that we listen. So last time we had it, verse 3. Listen, verse 9. He who has ears to literally listen, let them listen. It's the same word as verse 3. And in our passage today, verses 23 and 24, verse 23. If anyone has ears to Listen, let them listen. And verse 24, consider carefully how you listen. The kingdom grows when the word of God is sown. Listen. So if you were here last time, really we thought when the word of God is sown, there are different responses. But this morning, it's where the word of God is sown, the kingdom will grow. What do we do with that? Listen. <laughs> Listen to the word of God and sow it. It's really simple. Okay, work through it like this. Uh, pay attention to the message of the kingdom and then these two parables. The kingdom grows mysteriously. The kingdom grows phenomenally. What should we do? Listen and sow. Okay, let's work through them. Verses 21 to 25. Pay attention to this message of the kingdom. Now you get a few one-liners here from Jesus, verses 21 to 25. Our key responsibility comes, verse 24. Consider carefully what you hear. It's literally, it's see what you hear. I mean, it just makes no sense to us, of course. But in other words, you know, it, it, you gotta, what you hear, engage with it so much until you really see it. Okay? Consider carefully, pay attention to, is the sense of it. But um, it begins with these rhetorical questions. Uh, chapter 4, verse 21. He said to them, Do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? No, 
No one has a lamp for that. You know, lamps in those days, small uh, clay things, half the size of a teacup, that sort of thing. You, you olive oil in them, light them. Uh, you have a number in the room. Do you, oh, I'm going to turn on the lights and then cover them up. No, no, obviously. No one does that. I think in context, the, the message of the kingdom, that's the light that he's referring to, the seed that is sown. No one does that. You don't turn on a light and then cover it up. You don't do that. How stupid. What's your point, Jesus? Verse 22. For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. It says the same thing twice. In other words, secrets aren't meant to be kept forever or just kept by one person. Do you see that verse 22, whatever is hidden, it's meant to be disclosed, revealed. No, we get that, don't we? Secrets. Uh, They're either meant to be revealed at a certain point or just to a certain people, it seems to me. Secrets. So you might organize a secret birthday party and you tell lots of people, but you don't tell, don't tell Kelly, don't tell Kelly. It's a secret birthday party, don't tell, and tell it's her birthday. Ta-da! Surprise, and then you tell her. Okay, you keep a secret for a while and later on it's revealed. Now that might be the sense in which Jesus means it. Later on in Mark's gospel, that's certainly true of some things. Chapter 9, verse 9, he's had this transfiguration. The disciples have seen it, it's extraordinary. And he says, don't tell anyone this until... I've died and risen again, because they just won't understand it. So there might be that sense. There are some things here which are secret for a while, but later on will be revealed. I think, though, probably more of the point here is that a secret is revealed to some people. It's disclosed to some people, but not all. If you are a football manager, and you have a highly significant football match, What do you do? You you work out your strategy for your team and you tell your players, here's what we're going to do. We're going to, you know, break their legs in the first minute or whatever it may be. Whatever your strategy is, um, that's a naughty one. Uh, But you tell, you know, we're going to play 4-3-3 or 5-3-1, whatever. No, it doesn't even add up. Um, Anyway, uh, we're going to have an unusual strategy. Anyway, but you tell your players the strategy, but you don't tell the opponents. You keep it secret from them. In that sense, a secret is revealed to some and yet not to others. And I wonder if that is the point that, again, Jesus is making here. Because when you get to the end of our passage today, verse 34, he doesn't say anything to the crowds without using a parable. But when alone with his own disciples, he explains everything to them. Because when Jesus teaches, it always does two things. It enlightens some so they trust in him. And it affirms some others in their unbelief. When he teaches, there's this division. And you see, that's what he's saying here in our passage. So verse 24, our responsibility, consider carefully what you hear, he continued, with the measure you use, it'll be measured to you and even more. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. When you hear me speak, says Jesus, if you grasp something and say, can I have more? Can you explain more to me? I need to understand more of what you're saying, Jesus. You'll get more. If when you hear Jesus speak, you think, nah, 
they're not interested. Then you become entrenched in that unbelief. But that's what happens. There's this parting, this division when Jesus speaks, when he spoke in person, when he speaks to us from the scriptures. So, every time you hear Jesus speak from the scriptures, you and I, we have a choice. Do we say, yeah, I, I get this and I want more Jesus. I want to, or do we go, oh. and what you have is taken. So every time you hear Jesus speak from the scriptures, you have that choice to grow or become further away from him. Every time. This is not a neutral activity on a Sunday morning. You choose. I was very struck. Uh, uh, one comment on this. I mean, it's, it's a bit long, but let me give it to you. Martin Luther. Martin Luther. I, I just happen to flick up. Every so often I'll do this. I flick up. And um, he's always, uh, we've got it, Jason. Uh, Luther, he's always stimulating on such things. His observation. You should diligently learn the word of God and by no means imagine that you know it. When I get up in the morning, I pray and recite the Ten Commandments, the Creed, and the Lord's Prayer with the children, adding any one of the Psalms. I do this only to keep myself well acquainted with these matters, and I do not want to let the mildew of the notion grow that I know them well enough. The devil is a greater rascal than you think he is. You do not as yet know what sort of fellow he is, and what a desperate rogue you are. His definite design is to get you tired of the word and in this way draw you away from it. That is his aim. Don't allow that, says uh, medieval Martin Luther. Just be highly conscious when you engage and you hear Jesus speak to you on your own. When you're gathered and you hear Jesus speak from the scriptures, you have a choice. Are you going to allow it to be robbed away from you? Or are you going to grow? But it's never neutral. So consider carefully, Jesus says, be diligent. And by that, it's not merely cognitive. That is a changed action, a changed attitude, a changed will, a changed action. It's a response to do something different, to think something different. Pay attention to the message of the kingdom. And then he gives two parables to encourage that. And uh, uh, these are just delightful things Jesus says, just so you know, be encouraged. The first is this, the kingdom grows mysteriously, verses uh, 26 to 29. Now, uh, uh, this is what the kingdom, verse 26, this is what the kingdom of God is like, a man. So unlike if you were here last time in verses 1 to 20, a farmer, a farmer who knows what he's doing, this is just a man. This is like Clarkson, on Clarkson's farm, series one, episode one, I don't know what I'm doing, I'm just here to have a laugh. He hasn't got a clue what he's doing, a man. A man scatters seed on the ground night and day. Whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, even though he doesn't know how. All by itself, the soil produces corn. First the stalk, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. And as soon as the corn is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. Do you see the point here? The man does nothing. The seed grows all by itself. 
it grows, and he doesn't know how. How has that happened? Picture, you get the picture, the man sort of just throws seed everywhere. And, uh, you know, over the next few weeks, he comes and says, hey, Mrs. Farmer. No, she's not a farmer. Um, uh, come here, uh, madam, my wife. Um, <laughs> look here, this stuff's growing. How's it do that? How's it do that? It's like growing out of ground. He doesn't got a clue. That's the point. He's, this stuff is going on, and he doesn't know how. And Jesus is saying, look, my kingdom will grow. At a point you'll say, how has that happened? How has that happened? How has a church grown there? Like in Bayfair. No one lives in this part of town. Like it's just surrounded by casinos and brothels. Why would a church, I mean, it's not a, it is. Why would a church grow here? Nuts. Well, God's at work, I take it. Don't push it to an extreme, because the Bible would make other comments on human input. I've just put a couple of them down there at the bottom. 2 Timothy 2, verse 6, the hard-working farmer should be first to receive a share of the crops. 1 Corinthians 3, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, God has been making it grow. They'll be rewarded according to their own labor. Christians are meant to be hard-working. They're meant to be faithful in their sowing of the seed. Don't think, he's not, Jesus is not negating that. But the point here is... It'll grow. The kingdom of God will grow because God makes it grow. And sometimes, plenty of time, we'll look on and go, that is extraordinary. There's some obvious points in history, of course, you all know this. 1953, by 1953 in China, every foreign missionary had been forced to leave, but the word of God had been planted. So approximately, they reckon, 700,000 Christians in China in 1953. The church is now about 100 million. 7% of the population. Because where the word of God is sown, the kingdom will grow. And you think, well, it can't grow without competent people training. The Yeah, yeah, it can. Actually, it can if God decides he's going to. Where the word of God is grown, the kingdom grows. Sown. Last time, let me give you Martin Luther. This is his, well, I think his most famous quote. I'm not sure about that. That's probably here I stand. I do know. But um, uh, commenting upon the growth of the Reformation, this is famously put this, Martin Luther. I opposed indulgences and all the papists, but never with force. I simply taught, preached, and wrote God's word. Otherwise, I did nothing. I slept. I drank beer with my friends. The word so greatly weakened the papacy that no prince or emperor ever inflicted such losses upon it. I did nothing. I let the word of God do its work. That's this parable. When the word of God is sown, the kingdom will grow. God makes it grow. Keep listening. Therefore, don't give up. Keep listening. The kingdom will grow mysteriously. And this other parable, the kingdom grows phenomenally in verses 30 to 34. I guess the previous one, the the verses 26 to 29, the focus is upon the the process. There's this hidden process of growth. Uh, This last parable, verses 30 to 34, it's the contrast between the beginning, tiny, and the end, 
vast. So verse 30, what should we say? Again, he said, what should we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like our mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. So, you know, as you have lunch today with your roast beef and uh, you get your pot of mustard out, no, you wouldn't, would you? Whatever, you, you might do. Depends upon your taste. But anyway, there it is, your whole grain mustard. They're tiny, right? The seeds, they're tiny, they're tiny. And yet it becomes, not a massive tree, but the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. Well, the Old Testament, Testament background to that, that's the Gentile nations, you can see that in Ezekiel and Daniel. Jesus is saying to his small, this small group of people in front of him, you know, what we've got now is tiny. It'll be so vast that the great nations that surround us, what once upon a time, the great nation of Egypt or Babylon, now the great nation of Rome, they'll all be in my kingdom, right? It'll be enormous. It'll be global. And of course, they would have thought, well, there's only 12 of us. And now we think, well, Jesus was right. The kingdom of God began with some uneducated fishermen, an accountant, a couple of rather reprobates, and now about a third of the world's population, and growing. When the word of God is sown, the kingdom will grow. So what do we do with that? Keep listening and keep sowing. That's just simple. Keep listening to this word and keep sowing this word. Don't give up on it, says Jesus. Church of Scotland gave up on it. It's on its knees. More to say, but this was a pretty significant week in the Church of England. You give up on the word of God, you collapse. You keep trusting it slowly mysteriously, but inevitably, his kingdom grows. That's what happens. So I guess the challenge for you and me personally is uh, how, how good are your ears at the moment? Uh, and no matter how good your ears are at the moment, just keep listening to this word. Because by the word of God, that's how Jesus grows his kingdom in this world. And by his word, that's how Jesus grows his kingdom in your own heart. Because we don't read this book to inform us. We read the word of God to inflame us, to change us. That's the desire. Uh, sometimes said, there are, there are two ways you can read the scriptures. A bit like reading a will. You can read a will as a lawyer, or you can read a will as someone who's going to inherit and those are two very different ways. The lawyer says, well, let me understand all these details. Let me get it accurately correct. Uh, I don't want to make a mistake in this. And it's important, but there's a limit to how good that is. The heir says, let me read that. <laughs> let me read it again. <laughs> uh, and gets a little more excited because they're personally involved. Because someone has given them vast riches Maybe not in every inheritance I know, but, you know, run with it. You know, those are two different ways of reading it. 
And Jesus is saying, listen, <laughs> pay careful attention. Will you, can you see what you hear? It's literally what the text says. Can you see what you hear? Can you dwell upon this so much until it's vivid to you? We, we don't want to just have a shower in a passage of Scripture. We want to have a long bath and dwell and soak until our hearts are saturated in what Jesus is saying, until it really makes a difference to how we are. That's what we want. Be careful how you listen. Be transformed by how you listen. Because when the Word of God is sown, the kingdom will grow nationally, globally, personally. That's how Jesus does his work. So keep listening and keep sowing. Don't give up. This word grows people. This word grows a kingdom slowly but inevitably. So listen. Keep listening personally. Keep sowing this word of God. When the word of God is sown... His kingdom will grow, and it's a joy to behold. Let's pray together. <coughs> Father, here is a striking passage because, well, for some of us who've been Christians a long time, it's so familiar. Here is a truth that we know, and yet the challenge is not to drift from this truth that we know, to listen more attentively to the voice of Jesus speaking to us from the Scriptures, because there is always the danger that we take it for granted. There's always the danger that we uh, move on to something that we think is more exciting, more profitable. Father, your kingdom grows when your word is sown. Would we be those who are diligent in sowing? Would we be those who are diligent in listening for our good, for our joy, for our delight, for our transformation, and to play a role in seeing you grow your kingdom? We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.